This is a Reconstructionist radio production. Please visit GaryNorth.com slash free books to download this book in PDF format. By This Standard The Authority of God's Law Today by Greg L. Bonson Published by the Institute for Christian Economics, Tyler, Texas Copyright 1985 Chapter 24 Law and Politics in Nations Around Israel Quote, God did not exempt nations around Israel from the claims of his righteousness, but rather held them accountable for moral degeneration. End quote. Law and politics in Old Testament Israel revolved around God's law for the civil magistrate. That much would be granted by virtually any Christian who takes an interest in a Christian political stand and who has read the Bible. In the theocracy of the Old Testament, God obviously gave laws for his people to obey in the political sector of life. Nevertheless, it is often thought those theocratic laws given to Israel for her political life are of little help to Christian political theory today. Why? Were Old Testament laws about crime and punishment less inspired than prophecies about the coming Messiah? Well, no, we will be told. Were Old Testament laws about crime and punishment less of a reflection of God's unchanging holy character than commandments about the attitude of one's heart toward his neighbor? Well, no, we will again be told. Were Old Testament laws about crime and punishment ceremonial or restorative, redemptive, in character like the sacrificial system, foreshadows to be replaced by the reality of the coming Messiah and his work? Well, no, once again we will be told. Why then are theocratic laws pertaining to the political sphere thought to be of little guidance and help to Christian political theorizing today? The answer which is offered over and over again today is that the political laws given by God to Israel as a theocracy were for Israel alone to obey. Only Israel was given a written revelation of these laws, to be sure. All will grant that. But that fact alone does not imply that only Israel was bound to obey the moral standards expressed in such written revelation. After all, through Paul, God wrote to the Ephesian and Colossian churches that children should obey their parents, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 and Colossians chapter 3 verse 20. And nobody seriously takes that fact to imply that only children of Christian parents are under moral obligation to obey their parents. Therefore, the fact that only Israel was given a special revelation of certain political laws would not imply that only Israel was bound to keep such laws. Gentiles were under God's law. What God revealed in writing to his chosen, redeemed people about their moral duties was also revealed by God, without writing out words, to all other created people as well. The Gentiles who were not given the law still have the work of the law written on their hearts, thereby condemning their sinful behavior. This is Paul's testimony in Romans chapter 2 verses 12 through 16, and it is a truth which is foundational to the universal gospel of salvation which Paul goes on to elaborate in Romans. All people are under obligation to the standards of God's law in whatever form it has been received, written or not, and thus all have sinned are in need of Christ's redemption. Romans chapter 3 verse 23. God is no respecter of persons here. He has the same standard for all men whom he has created, and all men know those standards in virtue of their creation as God's image, in virtue of living in God's world, and in virtue of God's clear work of general and special revelation. Nevertheless, there are Christians who maintain that with respect to a special subclass of the laws revealed to the Jews in the Old Testament, those laws were meant for only Israel to keep. 
These laws were political in character. The kings and judges of Israel were bound to obey them, we are told, but not the rulers in other nations. All children, Jewish or Gentile, were under moral obligation to obey their parents, it is thought, but only Jewish rulers, not Gentile, were under moral obligation to punish crimes, for example, assaulting one's parents violently, in the way specified by the Old Testament law. That is, according to this outlook, some laws from God were universal in obligation, and other laws were localized. Is such a delineation of universal and localized laws made in the text of the inspired Old Testament? Well, no, it must be admitted. Is such a delineation of universal and localized laws made in Paul's teaching about the general or universal revelation of God's moral standards? Well, no, it must again be admitted. In fact, the Roman epistle states quite clearly that those who commit abominable misdeeds such as homosexuality know from quote, the ordinances of God that those who practice such things are worthy of death, end quote. Romans chapter 1 verse 31. There does not seem to be any obvious biblical support for the opinion that political laws in the Old Testament were intended only for Israel to obey. Just about every line of theological consideration would incline us in the direction of the opposite conclusion. The creator of all men, who has an unchanging moral character, has revealed the standards of his law to every nation of men and will hold men accountable for their behavior in all areas of life, including politics. If his standards have been given clear written expression to a special group of men, the Jews, then it would seem reasonable for all men to pay attention to those written laws and strive to conform to them. When we turn from theological themes to a specific reading of the scripture, this is the viewpoint which we find definitely decreed. In special blessing, God gave the Jews a written expression of his law for all areas of life, and that written law was intended as a model for all nations, not simply Israel, to follow. In giving Israel God's law to be kept in the theocratic land, Moses was inspired to say, quote, Behold, I have taught you statutes and ordinances, even as Jehovah my God commanded me, that you should do so in the midst of the land, whither you go in to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, that shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. And what great nation is there that has statutes and ordinances so righteous as all this law which I set before you today? End quote. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 5 through 8. Israel's law was a model for all the nations round about, and it was such a model with respect to all the statutes delivered from God through Moses, including then the statutes touching on political matters like crime and punishment. When we considered the biblical teaching about law and politics in Old Testament Israel, we in summary found that 1. God's appointed rulers are not to be resisted. 2. Bearing religious titles, rulers were avengers of divine wrath. And 3. Magistrates must deter evil by ruling according to God's law. A survey of what the Old Testament teaches about the rulers in Gentile nations will lead us to make the same three summary points about non-Jewish magistrates. The doctrine of the civil magistrates' moral duties, therefore, is uniform in the Old Testament. The fact that God was dealing with Israel in a redemptive and covenantal fashion and not setting his electing love upon any other nation, Amos chapter 3 verse 2, did not introduce a disparity or difference in moral standards between Israel and the nations. All those who wander from God's statutes, indeed all the wicked of the earth, are condemned by God according to Psalm 119, verses 118 and 119. 
Accordingly, there was no recognition of differing laws for differing kinds of people, Jewish and Gentile, in the Old Testament. Quote, there shall be one standard for the stranger as well as the native, for I am the Lord your God. End quote. Leviticus chapter 24, verse 22. With respect to politics, as with all things, God did not have a double standard of morality. The justice of his law was to be established as a light to the Gentiles. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 4. Indeed, the prophetic hope was that all nations would flow into Zion, saying, quote, Come and let us go up to the mountain of Jehovah, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of Jehovah from Jerusalem. End quote. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. The Old Testament perspective was that God's law had international and civic relevance. Its binding character was not confined to the borders of Israel. Accordingly, the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, for example the book of Proverbs, made wise and practical application of the law of God, and it was written for the entire world. The wisdom of Proverbs had universal bearing, expressing axiomatic truths for all men. Rather than being localized and nationalistic, the wisdom literature was intended for use in cultural interaction with other peoples. God's law, Israel's wisdom in the sight of others, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 6 and 8, was designed for the moral government of the world. Gentile Civil Magistrates Biblical teaching about the civil magistrate in Gentile nations during the Old Testament period, reflecting parallels with the teaching about magistrates in Israel, begins with the truth that, 1. God's appointed rulers are not to be resisted. The leaders of the foreign powers around Israel were servants of God's will. Pharaoh had to learn the lesson that God was unsurpassed in all the earth in terms of power and authority. Exodus chapter 19 verses 14 through 16. Gentile kings were subject to God's reproof. Psalm 105 verse 14. All civil magistrates owed their authority to God's sovereign disposition of history, and as such they were subject to his rule, being set up or brought down according to his decree. Ezekiel chapter 17 verse 24. God gave the earth to those unto whom it seemed right to him. Jeremiah chapter 27 verse 5. It was God who would either break the yoke of the Babylonian king or establish it as iron. Jeremiah 28 verses 1 through 14. He was most high over the earth, Psalm 9, verse 2, and Psalm 83, verse 18, setting the course of nations subject to his rebuke, Psalm 9, verses 4 through 8, and Psalm 83, verses 9 through 12. Even beastly rulers have been given their authority by God, Daniel chapter 7, verse 6. Daniel, a Jew in exile who would gain political honor, wrote that God removes kings and sets up kings, Daniel chapter 2, verse 21. The Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he will. Daniel chapter 4 verse 25. Both Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, Gentile leaders, had to learn this truth under the awful hand of God's judgment. Daniel chapter 4 verses 28 through 34 and chapter 5 verses 18 through 28. The nations round about sovereignly appoints and removes rulers. Indeed, having learned this lesson, Nebuchadnezzar sent a decree to all nations so that they might also recognize that God dominates the political affairs of men. Daniel chapter 4 verses 1 through 3. The Old Testament then taught that with respect to Gentile magistrates, quote, the powers that be are ordained of God, end quote. Romans chapter 13 verse 1. Such rulers were to be given submission and respect. God prohibited resistance to their proper authority. Those who respected God should give honor also to the king. Proverbs chapter 24 verse 21. 
Opposition to God's ordained rules will bring punishment from the ruler and from God. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 21 and 22. Peter alluded to these verses in penning 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 for New Testament Christians living under non-Christian rulers. Likewise, in the Old Testament, the instruction to seek political peace, Psalm 34, 14, was taught as applicable even when Gentile rulers are in power over God's people. Quote, Seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray unto Jehovah for it, for in the peace thereof you shall have peace. End quote. Jeremiah 29, 7. Parallel to this injunction is Paul's instruction to offer prayers for kings and high officials in order that a peaceful life might be possible. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. God's people in dispersion, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, must seek peace even under the threat of persecution. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 14, again citing Psalm 34, 14. So then if God has decreed that Nebuchadnezzar come to power, Quote, it shall come to pass that the nation and the kingdom, which will not serve the same Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon, and that will not put their neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, will I punish, says Jehovah. End quote. Jeremiah 27, 8. Those who resist God's appointed rulers will receive judgment, even as Paul taught in Romans 13, verse 2. 2. Bearing religious titles, rulers were to avenge divine wrath. In Israel, the titles of my servant and my shepherd had clear religious overtones because of their typological significance, pointing to the coming Messiah. For example, Isaiah 53.11 and Ezekiel 34.23. What is of interest to us is that such religiously significant titles are applied to political rulers outside of Israel. Nebuchadnezzar was called by God, my servant. Jeremiah 25, 9, etc., and Cyrus was called my shepherd, Isaiah 44, 28. Indeed, Cyrus is even designated my anointed one, quote, my Christ, in Greek translation, by Jehovah in Isaiah 45, 1. Such titles show how religiously important the office of magistrate was even in Gentile lands, according to God's word. It was appropriate then that Gentile magistrates be expected to avenge God's wrath against evildoers, for the magistrates were representatives and servants of the Most High. For instance, the Assyrian king was to be the rod of my anger, the staff in whose hand is my indignation. Isaiah 10 verse 1. God gave charge to Assyria to do his work of vengeance, and when Assyria overlooked its servant status under God, it was punished for its stout heart and self-sufficient arrogance in attacking Israel. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. In Old Testament perspective, therefore, God was viewed as enthroned over all nations. Psalm 47, verses 2, 7, and 8. Making all Gentile rulers the deputies of God. Quote, the shields, rulers, of all the earth belong unto God, end quote, declared the psalmist in Psalm 47, 9. Civil rule in all the nations is secondary and subordinate to God's rule. God reigns among the nations in righteousness according to the Old Testament. Psalm 93, verses 1 and 2, etc. As appointed deputies of the Most High God, Gentile rulers were under moral obligation to rule according to God's standards. The proverb indicated, quote, The throne is established by righteousness. End quote. End quote. The king establishes the land by justice. End quote. Proverbs 16, 12 and 29, 4. Thus, the throne of any magistrate is to be fashioned after God's throne, founded on righteousness and justice. Psalm 97, verse 2. 
The guidance and decisions made by civil magistrates, even among Gentiles, should have reflected God's conception of justice for social affairs, and that conception was found in God's law. So it was an abomination for any magistrate among men to justify the wicked or condemn the righteous. Proverbs 17, verse 15. 3. Thus magistrates must deter evil by ruling according to God's law. In the New Testament, Paul would teach that magistrates were to bring praise to the good and terror to evil men. Romans chapter 13, verse 3. The same perspective was advanced in the Old Testament proverb, quote, The execution of justice is joy to the righteous, but is terror to the workers of iniquity. End quote. Proverbs 21, verse 15. But how can this truly be the case unless the magistrate, whether in Israel or not, judges and punishes according to the standards of God's law? When tyrants rule among men, even righteous citizens need to fear the judgments of the ruler, for he does not adhere to the proper standards. Likewise, with a magistrate that does not honor the law of God, a wicked citizen need not necessarily fear the ruler's decisions. Gentile magistrates were thus required in the Old Testament to keep the law of God for political affairs. One Moral Standard God did not exempt nations around Israel from the claims of his righteousness, but rather held them accountable for moral degeneration. Proof of this statement is sufficiently found in the stories of Sodom, negatively, and Nineveh, positively. But the most dramatic proof that God's law was valid outside Israel is found in Leviticus 18, verses 24 through 27. God there required his people to avoid the abominations against his law which were practiced by the Canaanites of the land, and he threatened to punish Israel in the same way as he would punish the Gentiles for the offenses. Clearly, God had one moral standard for all societies. For that reason, the indictment, quote, Woe to him that builds a town with blood and establishes a city by iniquity, end quote, was voiced against Israel. Micah chapter 3 verse 10, as well as against the Babylonians, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 12. It is obvious from these observations that God expected Gentile magistrates and citizens to honor his standards of righteousness and justice, just as much as he expected it of Israelite magistrates and citizens. As the proverb taught, quote, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people, end quote. Proverbs 14 verse 34. The axiomatic political truth taught by the Old Testament was that, quote, it is an abomination for kings to commit wickedness, end quote. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 12. Any king whatsoever. Correspondingly, Ezra could praise God for putting it into the heart of the pagan emperor, Artaxerxes, to have God's law enforced, even to the point of its penal sanction of death, throughout the region surrounding Israel. Ezra chapter 7, verses 11 through 28. Indeed, David himself declared that he would take God's law for Israel and speak it before other kings. Psalm 119, verse 46. And he warned that the kings and judges of the earth who would not fear Jehovah and serve him would perish in the way. Psalm 2, verses 10 through 12. The Old Testament evidence is quite abundant, then, that expectations for civil rulers outside of Israel were often the same as they were for rulers in Israel. They were appointed by God to avenge his wrath by enforcing the law of the Lord. The political aspects of God's law, therefore, were certainly not intended for the exclusive use of the Jews in their theocratic situation. The political justice God required in Israel was required of all nations as well. It was not racially or geographically relative. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. 
Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.